From across the pond, this is Off the Record with Big C. And this is Big C. Thank you very much, Shaggy. This is Off the Record. This is episode 83, season 3, 23, something like that. Anyway, um, I always forget, but it is number 83. And in front of me on the screen, if, you can, if you're watching Facebook Live, you'll see him as well. It's Stinky Pete, who's joined me once more. How are you, sir? I'm okay. Bit knackered and a tad cold. It is a little brisk in this neck of the woods. <laughs> a little brisk? A little brisk. Oh, how, very, uh, how very English. I, I thought I'd go with what do the English... Uh, what do the English use when they describing things being cold so yeah well it's, it's monkeys it it's is monkeys monkeys i don't know what that means over in the states but it's yeah seriously I think they will anyway brassy brass monkeys yeah yeah indeed um, did it? was that something to do with the origins of do you know the origins of brass monkeys yeah it was to do it was where they used to put the cannonballs on a uh, ship wasn't it and it used to freeze cool. and it was cold enough <laughs> yes, to freeze exactly the balls on a brass monkey yeah it's the balls on a brass monkey yeah <laughs> all right it is it's uh, i've got minus one on my pc actually so well i have got minus probably, what, 30 30 31 degrees fahrenheit perhaps and i've got minus four on mine oh well, you're out in, in the sticks I am very much out in the sticks. Yes, there is <laughs> many sticks wandering around. That's if they can get anywhere. Presume you had a little snow as well. I had serious snow, mate. Yeah. I tell you, my my car is basically sitting in a snowdrift on my drive. So yeah, it's um it's been pretty grim here. I haven't been out, obviously. I just I, I to hate the snow with a deep and abiding passion. So I just looked at it out the window and thought, sod that. And I've literally just been down the fire escape twice to pick up stuff from Amazon. That's it. All right. Okay, fair enough. Well, yeah, I, it started snowing on Sunday night. I was doing a Christmas um, – I did a Christmas jukebox on Sunday night. It's a load of Christmas tunes. So it's actually quite appropriate. But <laughs> when you're looking out of the window in the dark with the, with the, the lampposts shining down, it looks quite pretty. And it, it looks, looks very nice. pretty when you're down and you're in it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Even if you go out in it when it first starts and it's not like the like the Monday morning, like yesterday morning, where you have it freezing cold when you wake up and all the snow and the ice and it's crunchy. And then when the ice crunches, it, it melts eventually, doesn't it? And then it goes that sort of mucky, dirty, uh, wet. Sort of, you know, it's horrible. Yes, disgusting. Yeah. Generally, I've never, I'm often, I've never been a huge snow snowball fight man, that's for sure. It's I, too I, bloody abs- cold. I absolutely hate the snow. I literally, I can't stand the cold, period. Yeah, and I really thing. hate the snow. The snow I'm not so not so bad with, but it's what comes after. It's the ice, and I hate the I ice. Do. All this stuff. Don't go out and don't drive unless you have to sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I'm miserable if it goes below 25. So uh, it's... Uh, that's uh, it's not for me, I'm afraid. Winter, winter generally sucks. It, it does indeed. Well, that's enough of the weather from, a, from, uh, from <laughs> the United Kingdom. Bridge. We could go on about this for the entire we, hour and a half. Drag out this for a long time, <laughs> but could. enough enough of that. We are going to hopefully this will be a bit of a, a occasional, if not every week, but a, a, certainly an occasional sort of series that we can do on 
what we have called, and we'll come on to maybe the definition of it in a moment or so, icons, music icons in within certain genres. Okay, I, I, I this I got the idea from two or three years ago. There was a TV show on BBC Two where they did different icons in, in different genres, not just music, but in in science and in explorers and in all sorts of things like that. And a music was one of them. And, and people were voting for them. And then the winner, obviously they had six winners at the end and then they had to vote for the winner in the final, etc. And I did a poll on Twitter on music. I thought, this is a good idea. I did a music poll, but it was quite a, quite a leading sort of thing. I would, I would narrow it down to about four in each genre. And now I had about 64 genres, a hell of a lot of genres. Is there uh, that many and- genres? Oh, you could get, you could get the hundreds of genres. <laughs> but are they iconic? I mean, this is an important one. I know. I mean, I got to the point of getting yacht rock in there for a start. No, oh, come on. That's not a genre. You know what the hell that is? Well, it, 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 all sorts of things. Psychedelia, psychedelic rock country. Yeah, well, psychedelia is fine. But yacht folk, rock, folk, really? Rock, all sorts of all sorts of genres, blues, oh. jazz, classical, everything. Um, but we are going to concentrate specifically on four genres today and the four are rock and roll now for it in as far as i'm concerned i'm sure you maybe will agree hopefully cross his fingers rock and roll i'm talking about classic rock and roll so we're talking 1950s yeah we're talking 50s really rock and roll yeah um and then we are going to do motown so i mean this is chronological roughly a chronological order starting in the 60s of course and then we've got prog rock which will you know as pete's eyes light up progressive rock (laughs) (laughs) you can can talk you can talk on that for hours yeah Um, like most of the prog rock tracks in fact (laughs) (laughs) glam rock will be the last one and the definitions of these would they vary i know they vary but we're doing our definitions of them here in the UK or us in the UK. Uh, Glam, for example, we cover all sorts of different things, but we'll come on to that at the end. Going to start with rock and roll. Well, we're talking icons. Me personally, I've done individuals. I don't know whether you've done groups or, or well, what, but I, an icon is an individual as far as I'm concerned. I went with individuals, okay. which made the decisions. And most of that was easy, but in Prague it was difficult. Um, but I, but I, in the end, I, I kind of came down to a way of doing it, which, which worked, but I thought it would be quite useful to define what an icon is. And it's interesting for me because I've spent most of the last 10 years or a significant part of the last 10 years carting around Ukrainian churches and cathedrals. And I've seen more icons in the last 10 years than I ever had in my lifetime. Um, so, uh, that was, was quite an interesting kind of background to that, but, um, So definition, Chambers English Dictionary, okay? If you describe something or someone as an icon, you mean that they are, quote, important as a symbol of a particular thing. Oh, okay. And they've given three examples. Only Marilyn Monroe has proved as enduring as a fashion icon. Okay. A Picasso. Well, from me, obviously. Yeah, clearly. Uh, in that jumper. Um, yeah, I've got my Christmas sweater on. I've gone early. <laughs> I've, 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 
I'll forgive you because it doesn't feature anything red. Um, Picasso. You say, that. you say that, but there is. Oh, no, don't go there. That spoiled the whole damn thing now. No, ridiculous. Get it off. Um, so uh, Picasso and the other icons of modernism. And then the other quote was the greatest icon of this century. Okay, so that's that, that's the definition of icon. So I've taken that to heart in making my choices. So an important symbol of a particular thing. Okay, in this so case, glam music, rock, genres, rock and roll, yeah, etc. There's one okay. other thing which I think I'm going to say now, <laughs> just to get this out of the way. Okay, having so taking this definition, um, I'm doing just that. So. For one time only, I am putting aside my personal likes or dislikes for we're going here for this podcast or series of podcasts. Okay, because I I think there's a difference between an icon and whether you your personal like. So Diego Maradona is a footballing icon, but for me. He was a fat, cheating little Argentinian git. And so, but I recognise that for many people, he's a footballing icon. So that's the that's how I've approached this, well, much nice. against my better judgment, I have to say. That sounds fair to me. Um, so I think, as I said, I think we know where we're going with one <laughs> or two of these then. Um, so let's, let's delve in. Rock and roll. We are talking 50s. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Are, uh, the thing is, with a lot of these genres sort of merge into one another and they influence one another, don't they? Naturally, yeah. I mean, rock and roll. To my mind, rock and roll was influenced by rhythm and blues, yeah, um, country, gospel, um, the traditional folk. Uh, I mean, also, I mean, Tin Pan Alley. I mean, it's a lot of stuff that, um, yeah, that influenced rock and roll that came from it. Um, and I, maybe an icon has nothing to do with music, but someone like Alan Freed, you maybe termed the phrase rock and roll on the radio the first time, is a bit of an icon in a way. And so, I mean, there are so, so many different variants that you could, you could, you could have. Yeah. Um, very, very early bits of rock and roll some of the first rock and roll records, one of the recognised first rock and roll records, for example, at Sun Records was the uh, Jackie Brenston song, I don't know whether you know it, Rocket 88, um, which was, maybe was actually Ike Turner and the Delta Cats or something actually, with Ike Turner in the background, <laughs> Brenston singing. But I'm, I'm avoiding all of those, you know, it's a classic moment in rock and roll. And just looking at the individuals, I think that if you ask people on the street, to name, we, we might well be going down that route. Well, I did this in my Spurs Telegram group, actually, or okay. one of my two Spurs Telegram groups, and I just said, I, I was talking the same, we were doing the podcast today, and a couple of the lads said, oh, you know, what's it on? And I said, oh, icons. And they said, okay, how? So we had a bit of a debate about that. And then I said, okay, rock and roll. And I got half a dozen people saying, oh, you've got to have this person, you've got to have this person. Same for glam, you've got to have this, got to have this. And actually, when I looked at it, I thought, yeah, you know what? Actually, most of those people, most of them are right. So it suggests that 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 most people would pick these particular 
Okay. Well, I've got about six or seven written down. Well, which okay, I can so narrow down. Well, I've got. Hang on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I've got ten. Okay. I've already narrowed it down to the four that I think. All right. Okay. Well, because when I looked oh. at the list of 1950s rock and rollers, mm. there was 200 and something, and I'd never heard of about 190. So, <laughs> sorry, that's slight exaggeration. I mean, clearly I've heard of Del Shannon. I've got no idea what he did. I've got no idea where he was from or what he looked like. But, you know, so, yes, there's some names, but, um, yeah. No, I, I said, if you ask the average person on the street, they're probably not going to come up with Del Shannon's name as good as he was. Uh, he was going to be in the Travelling Wilburys, in fact, when Roy Orbison died later on in the 90s. There we go. He shot himself, so at, uh, literally. Was that because he was invited to join the Travelling Wilburys? I don't I don't really know. That's a good question. Um, okay, well, what's the, go on, give us the first one. Well, okay. Um, I'm going to have so it, I'm sure. Of the, actually, I've just looked. I haven't chosen four, I've chosen five. So um, so the first one out of my, out of the ten that I looked at, the first one I'm going with is Jerry Lee Lewis. Okay, well, that's that one on my list. Why Jerry Lee Lewis? Because when someone says rock and roll to me, he's one of the three that I immediately think of. Yeah. And different style of music, rock and roll, isn't it? To to some of the others. Yeah. I just thought of another one. While, I've been, while we're talking about Jerry Lewis, I'm just thinking of another one that you might want to have on your list, but I, I didn't put it down. Um, that's a more boogie woogie sort of genre perhaps but you could put it into rock and roll but jerry lewis yeah classic obviously recently passed away lasted longer than everybody else didn't he yeah he did after all that um what would you say was his biggest song his biggest what's, what's song he remembered for i would say people would say great balls of fire will be his top one yeah well that and that that was that was what i thought i thought right jerry lewis great balls of fire rock and roll they you know, that, that, that yeah, was. I mean, obviously, he had a lot of other hits as well. Uh, a whole lot of shaking going on was his first one. I think Great yeah. Balls of Fire is probably the the most recognisable one to the to the average person on the street, yeah. as it were, with a, a modicum of music knowledge. Yeah, Great Balls of Fire. But he did a lot of songs. The only thing that swayed me maybe against him was the fact that he, well, you could say the same about another big big name character. He didn't, he, didn't he didn't write that many songs himself. Um, <laughs> and he often did songs that, that the others did as well. But he certainly had a swagger and a style in his piano playing, didn't he? He um, did. Which, and I, which think that's, I think that's what set him, not set him apart, but I think that's what people latched onto, wasn't it? I think that there's quite a lot of people who have got a style of either playing or singing, which isn't necessarily... You know, it's not necessarily great, but it's memorable. Um, mm. And I think he probably fits into that category. Okay. But I would have been hard-pressed to not have him in. He's definitely on my list. I would have said probably narrowed down to my top five. I, I, I'm in an R-ing maybe as to whether he'd be in the five or whether he'd be at four in the list. But well. we're talking about piano and unique piano playing. The other one I've got in there is Little Richard. I have Little Richard as one of my five, too. Yeah. I mean, he was... I don't know if you've ever read the David Hepworth book 
I'm sure you've read a lot of David Hepworth books. I've read Not the David Hepworth 1971 book. Um, yeah, but he's done a lot of books. I can't remember which one. It's an interesting book he's done, which was about icons. Okay. I've been looking for it all day, and I can't for the life of me find it. Of course. Uh, You'll find it tomorrow. This, in this, I probably will once we've done this. And <laughs> what he did was choose an icon for ev every year in music from 1955 through to, I don't know, so it was 40 years probably. So it probably went up to about 95. Um, is that right? 60s, 70s, 80s, yeah, about, yeah, that's 40 years, isn't it? Because um, he said after the, after the 90s, there weren't any rock, there weren't any rock, rock icons or rock and roll icons. There weren't any. You'd be pressed, you'd be hard pressed through most of the 80s, wouldn't you? Uh, well, he, he found out, he found, he found one for each year. Um, now the first rock icon he had was from 1955 and it was Little Richard. Okay. Well, so first rock icon. We must so think, yeah, that, he's got to be in there. And again, if you're asking for his most famous songs, I could turn it around to you. You must be aware of what his famous, most famous song is. To be brutally honest, Colin, I, I'm struggling with any famous songs from any of these people. Are you really? Yeah, I t it's it's not my music. I'm aware that it happens, and I listen to it occasionally if I hear it, and I don't have to run and switch the radio off. But, I mean, Great Balls of Fire, yeah, I know. I think I know a couple of songs from some of the other people I've chosen. But mm -hmm. basically, no, what's his famous song? Well, I would say, again, Tutti Fruity would be the bigger one. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah, and ringing again, a vague know. bell, ringing a vague bell. Now, it does ring. It rings a vague bell. Yes, indeed, it does. But I, you know, what what will never happen in the Willis household is me sit down and say, "I know what I'm going to do for relaxation this evening. I'll play <laughs> some <laughs> little Richard." It's <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> so, you um, know, good, good golly, Miss Molly, rip it up, uh, Long Tall Sally. All these are. Oh, is Long Tall Sally him? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, I was one of these. Long Tall Sally. Yeah, okay. Richard Penniman. Um, yeah, that'll be him. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh, there are, there are loads of others. I, I'm struggling to think of them myself at the moment. If I'd, um, if I'd done any preparation for this podcast, I wouldn't know all this. You would have probably had a list of, of the occasional song. All right, so Little Richard, again, unique style. I do know songs from the others, just not this not, just not this category. I can give right. the others I'm all, all right. right. Okay. Then, come on, let's have the big name. Surely he's in your top. Five. Uh, what you mean, the pub singer? I mean, Elvis Presley. Uh, yeah, I have got Elvis him. Aaron I have, Presley. I have got him as my number one. I think that of the rock and roll generation, he is the iconic figure. I'm, as you are well aware, not a fan, but I think if we're being honest about icons, you can't go in rock and roll beyond Elvis Presley as numero uno. Mm. Such an influence on, on many rock artists, I think. Yeah. So yes. you can't, yeah, you, you can't really argue with that. No. Um, yeah. Elvis, he's, he's got to be up there in any, in any list. Funnily enough. though, when I did the poll, because I had so many different genres, I was trying to get to fill it out to 64, I think, so that I could have, like an even number and it was like cup draw sort of thing. Um, I ended up having a separate one for an, an overall uh, rock or music icon. 
not just specific to a genre. Well, because I didn't want and I, because I didn't want any of them to sort of appear in more than one, which maybe was a stupid idea. I don't know, but I thought no, and and he ended up being in that category rather than rock and roll. But if you're going to have a rock and roll, it's got to be Elvis. Well, I mean, I think you know. Okay, so let's talk about Elvis for a minute or two. I, the stuff of his that I can tolerate, is the 50s. is is his early stuff. So it is stuff that is, you know, the blue suede shoes and the um, uh, hound dog and uh, that stuff. I mean, this is all early stuff, which, I, you know, is not awful. I, I can't get beyond the fact that I really don't like his voice. But I, I recognise that some of the songs stand the test of time, clearly. Um, and his place and the whole Elvis thing is enormous in the same way that the whole John Lennon thing is um and Hendrix so and he's he's there with that kind of that very small selection of people who everybody knows globally and recognizes their influence on music so whether I happen to like it or not um yeah I I recognize that and I and I think his best stuff for me is that early the early stuff in the the late in the fifties and the early sixties. Well, I do. I agree with you. Actually, that's my favourite period of Elvis. And and props to you, by the way, for remembering a couple of Elvis songs. Thank you. Thank you. Blue suede shoes and Heartbreak Hotel. Was it you said? Yeah. Well, and, well, and Hound Dog. Is it oh, Hound Dog. You said you didn't yeah. say Heartbreak Hotel. No, I didn't say Heartbreak Hotel because you know that's my favourite one. So uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, he too didn't write many songs. No. I don't. What? But he co-wrote one big one. Was it? Was it "Don't Be Cruel" or was it uh, "All Shook Up"? One of the one of the two. I think he co-wrote it with uh, somebody, and I can't remember the name of the guy that he co-wrote. Well, if he co-wrote it, it would have been somebody. He didn't. He didn't really co-write it. Yeah, he didn't co-write <laughs> it. It was. It was written. It was written by someone. I don't know if it would have been Otis Blackwell would would have, would have written one of those two, um, and. For some reason, he put it obviously it was a contractual thing, maybe or royalties to get more sales or something. They put down him as a co-writer, and the other writer he put he didn't even put himself down. He put his wife's name down. Strangely, Priscilla, the writer of the song. No, the writer of the song put his own wife down. Oh, co-written with Elvis Presley. Yeah, I know it's a bizarre story. And they asked him, why? Why on earth? Did you put your wife's name as a co-writer? Said, well, it's because she didn't have anything to do with the writing of the song, much like Elvis Presley. So, uh, <laughs> but it made it made money for them. It made money yeah. for them. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I like the fifties stuff. Sixties, yeah, it was it was very. There were some good pop songs along the way. Maybe the occasional movie, even the better movies, were in the fifties, in my opinion. Yeah, there were. there were two or three average ones that were weren't quite as awful in the early sixties. Um, and then seventies, he, he he went a bit more gospely. His voice changed. He was a much more powerful voice, I think. And some of my favourite Elvis songs were were actually from the seventies. Strange, even though the general theme, I like the fifties. Enough about Elvis because I know you're 
speaking yeah, for the piece the entire right. time. I'm no, I'm happy to acknowledge if we're talking icons, he has to be there, and I've put him at number one. All right, excellent. All right. Well, I've got in in order for my top five, my five to be, I've got two others. So yeah. So right, so we'll let's see down. what your two others are and see if you've got the same two as me. I've got a couple of others that aren't in the list. They made my seven, but yeah, ones that could really two. be in is Eddie Cochran and Gene Vincent. I dumped, I dumped both of those out of my original list. Your original list of 75 or whatever it is. Well, the other two that I so have... Hang on, so we've had Elvis, we've yes. had Jerry Lee Lewis, and we've had... We've had Little Richard. Richard. So we've, had, we've right. agreed on those three. So I've got two more and then a few wild cards. The other two I have, I think... Again, surely he's got to be in there, an absolute rock and roll legend. All right. And he is in my top five as well. So I also have chosen Chuck Berry. Yeah, and he's more rock and roll than my other one, even though I do love the other one as well. Well, I think the interesting thing about Chuck Berry is, I think this show is about icons. But if we looked at something else we've talked about doing at some point, which is roots of music, I think of all of this lot, Chuck Berry is the one who is closest to being the influencer of the rock revolution that came in the 60s. Mm. I think he was he he was more of a rocker than a roller. I, I think he spanned, he was the link for me. Now, you know, argue with me. Oh, I agree. But I agree. He's the one I, I think made it. So... I th- yeah, and in fact, I had him as number two. And which band wouldn't have had a Chuck Berry song? Exactly, sixties, the seventies. So, well, I mean, or the I mean, well, yeah, but I mean, the Beatles, the Stones, all of those early bands. Even if they didn't, even if a Chuck Berry song didn't appear on an album, they would have played Chuck Berry yeah, songs right. live, yeah. and they for sure would have played Chuck Berry songs when they were rehearsing and learning their trade. And, yes. and that's why I think he's as influential as he is. Yeah, and his lyrics were great as well, weren't they? Which is uh, well, especially my dingling. I mean, you know, well, classic, classic of, its, of, its, of its genre. <laughs> it's sad, isn't it? When when the worst song that they can possibly do is one <laughs> only number one that yeah. they have in the US and the UK. Actually, that says more about the average record buyer than it does about the. Uh, I don't oh, think the original. I'm not familiar with the original. It was originally called My Tambourine. So originally, one of his songs called My Tambourine, and he changed it. To the more sordid, my ding-a-ling in nineteen. Well, I don't. You see, he always said that it wasn't sordid. He said it was only sordid if you had a sordid imagination. So, of course, yeah, right. Every uh, every teenage boy in the nineteen seventies obviously saw the sordid version. Yeah, right, Chuck. I believe you. Yeah, millions wouldn't. <laughs> apart from Chuck Berry, the other one I had to put in was Buddy Holly. Yeah, he's the other one I've got. So basically, we've chosen the same top five. We've got the same top five. So exactly the same top five. It's got to be right. Whether or not you can choose between them. Buddy Holly, I love it. He was a big influence on a number of artists as well. McCartney was a huge Buddy Holly fan. Probably, I think he bought all the uh, publishing rights to the Buddy Holly songs. Yeah. Um, Although, strangely, the the band, I don't even like to mention the name because, you know, you'll have a go at me for mentioning them. They only sang one Buddy Holly song on record. Officially on record, and that was on Beatles for Sale. I think it was Words or Words of Love. Uh, 
But yeah, he was a major influence on on McCartney. Uh, of, and he had a of, unique guitar style as well. That sort of downward, you know, Peggy Sue yeah. sort of. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because if you force me to listen to one of the five I've chosen for leisure reasons, it's it's Buddy Holly that I'd listen to. He could write a nice ballad as well. Though. Yeah, he, he was. He, he did write a nice ballad. Um, I mean, he didn't have a great voice, but he had a voice which worked for the kind of material he did. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's, I, uh, yeah, I, most of the Chuck Berry, and I, again, I'm sorry, most of the Buddy Holly stuff that I know, I like. So it's, um, yeah, yeah, Buddy, he, he would be the one I'd have as my It was a no-brainer. It was a no-brainer. But the only thing I would say about Buddy Holly is he himself might, might have considered himself more, not rock and roll, but more rockabilly or um, country-ish. I mean, rock, I don't know, you know, one of those one of those genres, which, which might have dropped. I don't like to drop Buddy Holly out of the list, though. If you're going to pick it, I like yourself. I probably would put as the two, top two, I'd, I'd have Elvis and Chuck Berry. Yeah, that's the same as me. I had Elvis, Chuck Berry, Little Richard, Buddy Holly, Jerry Lee Lewis. That was my five. Okay. Have you got any other throwaways you said at the end? Because right, in my throwaways, I've got Fats Domino. That was the one I thought, oh, I didn't have Fats Domino down. Right. Well, I had Fats Domino down. Um, I, I, I've actually got a Fats Domino album. I've no idea why I have a Fats Domino album, but I do. Um, I had the Everleys, but I didn't know whether that counted because there's two of them um, as opposed to one. So I <laughs> kind of binned, I binned them off, um, but I would have had the Everleys. Um, Bill Ailey? Well, Bill Ailey is one of the ones I was going to mention at the start, the sort of before the, the Little Richard really started off. Bill Haley was around, but you know, yeah. he, so I think he, was like, I think, he was like, looked like 40 years old at the time, didn't he? Even in yeah, the 50s, yeah. I mean, he did, yeah. So, I, so I don't think his sound was iconic, but I don't think he was, which is why no. I didn't include him. Didn't include him. no, that's fair enough. Um, it wasn't had Ray Charles, he was Ray Charles, and that's that's a curveball. See, I, I would have him more, I mean, in, he's iconic. He is iconic, but would you call him rock and roll? I mean, he did a few bits of rock and rolls, more more jazzy perhaps than yeah, maybe. I mean, but, I just yeah. I, I I I literally just threw some because, names in there because it's the area that I know least. I just went through this massive long list of everybody was bundled in and thought, well, all right, who of these are iconic anyway? Um, Ray Charles, right. and then the other okay. one I had was Bo Diddley. Okay, yeah, another one, another um, influencer and. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Bo Diddley. Didn't he have his own guitar? He did. Actually, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Buddy Holly sang Bo Diddley as well, which is strange. The song, Bo Diddley. <laughs> Bo Diddley, yeah. Uh, right, so that's rock and roll done. Let's move on to a subject. So well, I think we agreed then Elvis and, and Chuck Berry yeah. qualify as the top two. Yeah. Gold and silver. Or maybe we can do the same with the other three genres then we're good. Maybe this category, we're moving into the 60s now, we're moving on to Motown, uh, is the one that you'll have more knowledge about in terms of songs or or whatever, being a well, big fan. I, I am, but I found this, I, I, I chose my top four literally in 30 seconds because for me it was so obvious. And then when I look back through all, and bearing in mind that we're choosing people, not bands, which ruled out yes. a lot of the people that I would have had. Yeah. So 
I then went back through all of the Motown artists from when Motown started right the way through to the 90s. And I still would have chosen the four that I've chosen. So it was it was very, very easy when we're talking about I've so I've got four and one outlier. I wonder whether I've got the same four in mind then. Well, I'm uh, reckoning absolutely. I would be amazed if we don't have the same four. Okay. Well, Motown again had influences. Um, I was again rhythm and blues. Yeah. Uh gospel. Gospel, lots of gospel. More more poppy side things as well absolutely than the rock and roll and so, those harmony stuff true they did you do like a vocal harmony group i do know that so i'm presuming then of your four i'm saying this now because you did say that uh, because they're bands you haven't included them but I, I i know what you mean like for example four tops temptations well four, well, four tops would be right at the top of my list yeah. But I couldn't have them because they're a band. But also... You could have, I don't about, know, you could have Levi's no, stuff. This is about icons. And were the four... I mean, I love the four tops. Mm. Were the four tops iconic? No, I don't think they were. They were a mm. very, very good Motown band. So mm. were the Temptations. Yeah. So were so many of those bands, you know, the Vandellas. All, you know, all, of, those, all of those bands were... Very, very good. But I mean, you know, Tamla didn't really have very many quote unquote bad people on their books, did they? But we're talking about music icons. We're talking about individuals who tower above everybody else as standout people. And on that basis, it was an easy choice for me. Okay. Well, I wondered about Levi Stubbs. I wondered also about the Temptations. I thought, well, one, yeah, you ask someone on the street, they're not going to pick Levi Stubbs. No. Yeah, with all due respect to him, they might not have even heard of the name, to be perfectly honest. Very, li- very, very unlikely. Very unlikely that they would have known, they'd know it, you mean? Well, or yes. What? And I mean, you know. <laughs> and even I'm thinking, Temptations, mm, who do I go for? Like, oh, Eddie Kendricks, maybe? But at least he had a lot of solo career. Well, he did have a solo career. Paul Williams, I thought, no, okay, and I well, didn't I mean, didn't put either in. No, and the I mean the obvious for me, I mean you know it, it, not it, notwithstanding the four tops who we've on several podcasts talked about how much I love the four tops. Um, I mean the other big Motown band that would be in my top two with the four tops is the Isley Brothers, even though they weren't with Motown all of the time. Um, and you know that's easier because they're all called Isley, except for the one that wasn't. Um, but which Isley brother do you pick as an icon? And actually, there are you know Ernie Isley is an absolutely brilliant guitarist. Mm. Is he an iconic guitarist? No. So okay. it rules him out. I've just read a, a message from Barbie She's saying that technically Mar- Martin Luther King Jr. qualifies as a Motown artist. He won a Grammy for the the uh, speech. Motown recorded and produced. Hmm. That's very good, but I don't think if we it's have really Martin, if we have Martin Luther King as an icon, then um, we're we're in big trouble because we're going to have to build, you know, heaven knows who into prog. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, maybe we do have the same four. I've, I've got a big, uh, probably a big five. Well, I've got a big, I've got a big four and a half. Oh, okay. 
Right then, I'm going. So are you going, are you going to go four to one or one to four? Well, they're not in any particular order as yet. Mine are. I would say the two, the two, two of the biggest Motown artists, because a number of them didn't stick with Motown. Of course, that's another thing. Like when they got into the seventies, yeah, eighties, they were with. I mean, the two I'm thinking of, and I'll give you them straight off the bat. Would be Stevie Wonder. Yes. And Michael Jackson. Right. Well, Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson are both on my list. Because <laughs> okay. you, well, because okay. you, you cannot. Oh, you've got to have a. You can't you've do Motown icons without having those two. I mean, you know, they tower in that genre. They tower above everybody. You know, they, they're. Um, you know, if if ever there was a music icon for the centuries, it's Stevie Wonder. You know, someone who started in the very early sixties as Little Stevie, and he's still producing fantastic music now, and basically has very very seldom dropped the ball in fifty years. No, and he was with Motown. He did stick with Motown for quite a while. I mean, he's he's been a long time triumvirate of albums. It was yeah. all Motown, wasn't it? The talking talking book, book you know, innovations, falling, falling his first finale. First finale. Well, uh, and so was and so was Dogs in the Key of Life. So was Journey Through yeah. the Secret Life of Plants. So yeah. was um, uh, Hotter Than July. So I mean that 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 bunch of of classic albums in the seventies, they were all Motown. And, for, and I mean, even for that reason alone, you can't not have Stevie Wonder in there. The guy's a genius. Well, I think we're agreed on that one. Michael Jackson, I had more of a trouble adding him. I don't know why. More of a trouble than Stevie Wonder. Because Michael Jackson is, is mainly with the Jackson 5 that he's remembered. We see for or me. Motown. For, um, but, I mean, he was with Motown as a solo artist. Not for very long. He was on Epic. I mean, Off the Wall was Epic. So he, he did have a couple of albums early on. Uh, ben, your favourite song. Um, and what was it got to be there? Was that an album? I think it, it could well have been. And maybe there was another one. He, he probably had about three, possibly four. But when he, he went stratospheric, he was with Epic. So off the wall, thriller, bad, dangerous, you know. Right. But my contention would be that those albums would never have happened if it hadn't been for the musical grounding that he got with his brother's in the Jackson Five at Tamla. So, in other words, if in other words, he would not have had the career he'd had if he hadn't have been part of the Motown stable at the time that he was. Well, yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. But I'm I'm just looking for any excuse, maybe not not any excuse to not put him in. You know, that's not what I mean. I mean, look at any excuse to to maybe give a reason for not having all of these in a top four. I can't have them all in a top four. But and and that was the only thing I could think of with Jackson. Well, because I mean, just, he was three my, other legends. Well, he was my number four. So Stevie Wonder was my number one. He yeah, was my number got two four. and three. All right, Michael Jackson. Okay, well. Michael, you, you can't you can't talk about music icons without including Michael Jackson. I mean, he was absolutely huge. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I went to see him at Wembley Stadium on in 
too, because he was on stage as Simon was being born, um, which was hence why his was the only birth I missed. Um, and I took the kids to see Michael Jackson, the older three or four. Uh, no, the older three, um, um, because it, it was the tickets were bought as a present because Simon was on the way and it was kind of, oh, look, there's another baby, come and see Michael Jackson or something. Um, and he, I mean, you know, I wasn't a fan. I think he was touring Bad. And Bad's a great, was a really good album. It's my favourite Michael Jackson album. Um, yeah, I think it's mine too, I think. And he was... Rocky, abs- more Rocky than Thriller. Yeah, well, and, and again, that appealed to me. It was the Rocky thing. Mm. Um, he was absolutely fantastic live. I mean, you know, the, the singing, the stage, the choreography, the lights, the whole show. And Wembley was, was it was the old Wembley. It was a shocker. You couldn't move. We were way up in the gods. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the pitch was just solid. There's, people couldn't move. I'm amazed people could breathe. It, but he was fantastic. So, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, I had a dark night of the soul and thought, well, it was a bit of a whack job. But it, so many people Possibly. are with the talent. Um, yeah. I couldn't not have him in there. So, no, okay. Well, he is. He's definitely up there in my certainly in my five or six. But the thing is, I've got Stevie Wonder. If we have Michael Jackson, I've got another three legends. Well, I've got another three legends as well. Should be in there. Uh, one of them is female. Yes, that'll be the same one. That'll be Dinah Ross. Yep. She's my number two. With with the Supreme, surely one of the greatest pop bands of the of the of the sixties. They had about was it about twelve number one a- singles or something, didn't they? I mean it was amazing record. Um yeah. And in amongst all of the British bands that I was listening to at the time choosing my words carefully without mentioning their name again lots of other sounds of the, of that ilk baby love stood out it was mm. different to all the other stuff i was listening yeah. to but i do remember and i was only about four or five but i That's do remember it even at the time it was a great song um so diana ross and of course her other solo work after has been not all brilliant, but he, she's developed. It's been pretty good. I, what I love about Diana Ross, I mean, one, she's got a beautiful voice. Mm. What I love about her is that she wasn't afraid to experiment. So, you know, when they when the Supreme started, they were basically a female close or a female harmony kind of gospely act. And yeah. they became poppy and, you know, and you, you sort of towards the latter end um, when – just before she left, or as she left, they did Nathan Jones, which we've talked about before. Um, and uh, and then when she went off on her own, I mean, she went, she did disco, she did gospel, she did jazz, you know, things like Love Hangover, which I love. It's a great song. Um, I just think that she's one of those people who she made the best of what she, she made the best of her voice. And, and she's iconic. I mean, she's, you know, glamorous, beautiful voice an amazing career i mean you couldn't not have her in could you when you when you're talking about maybe a bit of a wacko again maybe i don't know didn't well, like being I mean, risk at the airport that time i seem to remember um, i mean you know there's a close there's a close <laughs> line between genius and insanity and a lot of these people 
walk it pretty close. Yeah, I agree. But, but I mean, yeah, Diana Ross. I, see, I don't know. You mentioned all these love hangovers, the, the, my old piano, and that. That to me are like, yeah, they're good songs, not too bad, but they're not a patch on some of the other stuff for me. I'm not saying they're no, a patch I, on it. I'm saying that she is one of those artists who move with the times. Oh, and yeah, that is that is the point. I know you do like that in an artist to move with yeah. the time. Whereas I, I tend to, I'm more of the uh, thinking that the more someone experiments with different sounds, the more chance of them being poor is, is there, if you see what I mean. And oh, I don't know. I this is probably know, why I... I didn't like David Bowie's latter stuff, because it it got to me like it was, it was a little bit wacko, it was a little bit freaky, it was a little bit out there. And if it's out there and it's ex- extraordinary, shall we say, in the f- t- full proper sense of the word, then the likelihood is... It's out of the ordinary. A lot of it isn't going to be all that good, in my opinion. That's probably why I don't like it. So, see, I, I love status it. quo, playing the same song for the last six years. <laughs> yeah, well, Allegedly. okay, but I'm. Yeah, I, I, you can argue. You can argue the case both ways. Well, it, Ross, it, it depends. Definitely. I think it depends on the longevity of the career, doesn't it? You know, it, it, it's so you can get away with playing the same song if your career is ten or fifteen years. I mean, Leonard Skinner did. Uh, we both love them, but um, but but with someone like Diana Ross and someone like Bowie, you know, I just think that being able to sustain a career by changing, like Neil Young, you know, those people who who, who just did different stuff. And no, of course, some of it won't be as successful because the people who like the traditional stuff will go, "No, I don't like this because it's different." But other people will go, "Well, I like this because it because it is different." And that's or, you know, or they they like it because it's who it's by. That's what I don't like about it yes. all. Okay. I mean, there's an element of that to it. So, well, yeah, it gets to the point where they they produce records that. I mean, another example is Radiohead. I don't. You're a big fan of Radiohead, are you? They're okay. Yeah, not the massive. Heard fan. of them? Heard of them? Yeah. Again, yes. early stuff. They branched out a little bit more, and you know, I don't. I, it got to me that I think they're the sort of band that will just produce anything, and people will like it. It doesn't have to be any good, but that's. I want to digress too much. I've got two others, two other legends, as far as I'm concerned. I'm wondering which one you want. You said you had both. I've got. I've got two more. Two more. So okay. One of well, them. I've got two. Marvin Gaye. Yes, he's my. So so. Stevie Wonder, Dinah Ross, Marvin Gaye, Michael Jackson. In that order, that's my top four. Okay. Well, I want to give a big shout out to Smokey Robinson as well. Well, I I didn't include Smokey Robinson because his career was mostly with the Miracles, and there's not is there is is there a huge amount of Smokey Robinson stuff after the Miracles, which anybody knows? Well, to be fair, it was for quite some considerable time, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Rather than yes. just the miracles, I mean, the man started as just the miracles. Yeah, and no. a major songwriter as well. Yes, His song no, I, recorded by, by I don't know what well, Temptations. Obviously, my girl was Smokey Robinson song. So yeah. I would, I would tempt, would tempted to. I ne- he needed to be mentioned anyway. I mean, I'm not a, a big fan of his solo stuff. He had a big number one, in fact, in the eighties. Was it Being with You? You probably don't remember that one. No, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, I do remember I do. It. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. Very, I presume that was on Motown still. 
Well, that's uh, interesting because if we'd have done any research, we'd know. Wouldn't we? <laughs> we did. <laughs> we, we, we really must get our heads around this podcast, Lark. Um, yeah. So, all right. So he's your he's your outlier. So my outlier my is yeah. my outlier is Lionel Richie. Oh yeah, okay. Because he had his career with the Commodores, they were pretty successful, but then his solo career went stellar, and he is the only one of this slot who's headlined Glastonbury. Even the Wombles have had like headline one. I'm not saying that that's a good thing. I'm just saying that he has headline Glastonbury. Uh, no, but I mean, you know, his solo career. You think of the, you think of some of the, uh, some of his early, you know, his early solo stuff like Walking on the Ceiling and All Night Long. And all, I mean, All Night Long is just your classic pop funk record, isn't it? When you say Walking on the Ceiling, you mean Dancing on the Ceiling. I mean, who would walk on the ceiling? Well, yeah, there's someone who yeah. wanted to fall off. <laughs> well, it's dancing, obviously. Perfectly. <laughs> Listen, the Ooh, fact that I remembered you. anything at all uh, is a miracle. Uh, I, I so, uh, it, oh, no, that's Smokey Robinson. <laughs> it's very good. Boomtish. If, <laughs> if you ask someone on the street for their Motown icons, maybe, maybe some of the younger ones, when I say younger, I'm talking maybe those that were around... In their teens, in the eighties, yeah. So basically, people under fifty, as opposed to yeah, under 60. might might well throw in Lionel Richie as a possibility. Mm. But um, yeah, I personally, I don't think I, he's as good as he is. I don't think I'd. I, I couldn't have him above Wonder. I couldn't really have him above Michael Jackson. I couldn't have him above Marvin Gaye, and I couldn't have him above Diana Ross. So, so we have, in fact, chosen the same four. We, we're going to have chosen the same four. I, I think I'd have to have Marvin Gaye above. Smokey Robinson. Not necessarily for the reason that you say, but just generally my view. I think he, he was a collaborator again. He was a session musician with Motown, wasn't he? The Wrecking Crew. Yeah. Played on the first, first number one single in the US by a US female group. Played drums on it. Please, Mr. Postman by the Marvelettes. Did you know that? I didn't. You do now. You do now. I, I do. And in fact, I'm so happy about this, I shall make a note in case this ever comes up again. <laughs> yes, I'm sure you will. Secretly <laughs> make a note of it. Makes, makes note. <laughs> so Diana Ross, Michael Jackson, Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder. Can yeah. we pick through from those? I assume we're, to, we're talking Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson. Um, no, I'd choose Stevie Wonder and Diana Ross. You'd put Diana Ross. Okay. Yeah. That my order was Wonder Probably, Ross. Yeah. Wonder I'm, Ross I'm going to support Jackson. you with that. I'll support you with that rather than Jackson. I think I would have, I, again, I think because, as I said, he went on some massive things when he wasn't on Motown. And most of the those that are on the street that were asking, I don't know who these people are that were asking, but we're asking them for their icons. And they're more likely to think of Thriller and Bad and Off the Wall, uh, yeah. you know, and all those rather than his stuff with the Jackson 5. So, yeah, I'm with yeah, you then. I agree, I'll, I'll yeah, I agree that. with you. And, I mean, Stevie he did Wonder, do a song about Ross. rats. You mean Ben? Yeah, the second best song about rats, because the first oh. best song about rats is by Ghost. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I think I prefer the Boontown rats, to be honest. Well, no, but then they, they've got a rat trap. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, that's, that's, well, that's the yeah. third one. Okay, I'll go yes. with that. All They're right, not okay. as good as Ghost. But anyway, that's a debate for another day. Shall we move on? 
So I think we've established the two icons for two of the genres. We've got a couple more. This is going to be over to you because like some of the, this is prog rock. So like a, a lot of the other genres, I have found like glam that we're going to come to at the end. Too many artists. I can't narrow it down. Boy, the, I have the same it's issue. The opposite. It's the opposite for me. I don't know. I don't know what to pick. I mean, I don't know whether I should just throw in some for me because you're going to be the expert on these. Well, no, so, so let me let me just do a little t- two minutes of introduction and then we'll do just okay. what we've done because it works the same way. Okay. So, the kit, right. So the issue with prog is, and we kind of touched on this last week, is that it's about it's about musical virtuosity. So basically, all of the prog bands, the people who played in them only got to play in them because they were at the top of their game at what they did. There aren't any bad musicians, you know, so there isn't anybody that's the equivalent of crazy horse in prog because they wouldn't, they wouldn't get away with it. So you, so at one level you go, well, the bands are iconic in, if you like that kind of music. Um, And, but then you go, okay, so the bands are iconic if you like that kind of music but we're talking about individuals. And so when you then say individuals in prog, you then go, well, actually, that is much more difficult. So take my favourite prog band, yes, okay, formed by John Anderson, iconic voice, there isn't anything else like it, um, and Chris Squire. My argument, the best bassist in the rock idiom. So you've got two stellar musicians brilliant writers and very much the founders of my favorite band are they iconic no chris squire is an iconic bassist and when we have a discussion at some point about the great bassists he would be right up at the top of my list like first or second um but is he an is he iconic in music no only in the The very narrow genre of prog so i think you then have to say okay who are the ones who overarch things that are not just prog and then who are the ones in the context of prog who would stand out as being icons not just great musicians so that's how i've done it Okay, and I've chosen six. Okay, who all for various reasons I would call icons of that genre, and then I've got two who I can't split as one and two, however much I've tried. Okay, all right. Um, well, I'll I'll give you some of what. First of all, I'll preamble it like I've given you maybe the influences to rock and roll and the influences in Motown would. With prog, I w- I, just to show that I've done some research. I'm impressed. <laughs> um, prog were basically influenced by any, well, the whole premise of it is sort of long jams, really, improvisation, and the quote, maybe, the sound, the sound of the sonic journey of band, previous bands such as 
Jefferson Airplane, maybe yeah. Grateful Dead, uh, the Zombies, perhaps, um, maybe even the Birds to a certain extent. Um, and of course, classical music. Um, yeah. Hence the sort of multi movement suite element to the music. Uh, and as you mentioned, the instrumental virtuosity. So basically, it's like the creme de la creme, as you were saying, actually, of, of, of musicians. So they're pretty much up themselves, aren't they? Really think we're the, we're the best. Well, it, they, they're only up themselves in the same way that probably if you had a conversation with Beethoven, he'd be up himself. I think it's, it, it's, it's this whole thing about, I don't know, maybe it's a British thing about, what well, see this is weird because prog rock is essentially a British phenomenon. There are bands that are not British who were prog, but mm. it is very much a British thing. Yeah, I was gonna say and that too. That well, it is. I mean, you know, all all of the vast majority of the great prog bands are Brits. Um <laughs> but we have this kind of self-deprecating thing in this country where we kind of look at people who are really talented and we try and tear them down rather than, you know, in America where you go, oh, this person's really talented and you make a big fuss and song and dance about it, we tend to kind of sweep it under the carpet a bit, don't we? So when we say, when we talk about someone who's a real virtuoso musician, we might well say in this country they're up themselves, whereas in another country they go, they're really brilliant musicians. Yeah. And I tend to err on the they're really brilliant musicians side of this particular debate yeah, that, that, it still comes down to the same thing for me is that the average person on the street wouldn't know what a brilliant musician is no if he, if he smacked him on the face exactly walking down the street i agree it's a bit like to me watching i don't know taking the analogy rather oddly left field watching strictly come dancing i, I no. Do we know wh whether that's a really good dance or not? Or do they just, you know, you just like watching them? We don't really know, do you? I don't, I don't I, watch. I, I mean, I am the world's worst dancer. So, I mean, I look at anybody who can put one foot in front of the other. And as far as I'm concerned, they're a bloody genius. Yeah, um, fair so, um, but, 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 you know, despite yes. Watching Michael, despite seeing Michael Jackson at Wembley, I thought that's where you got your moonwalk from. I, 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 my moonwalk is pretty well perfect. Ask any of my kids. My, I frequently, at the end of my visits, just walk moonwalk out the door on my way to the car. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some names because I say I'm certainly no expert on this field. But if I think prog, then actually the the first name I wrote down on a bit of paper was Peter Gabriel, who was the second name I wrote on the piece of paper. Ah, so he's he's up there with you. He, he what he did with Genesis at the start. Uh, we all know the story. When I mean, he was out there. He was, like I said, he was out of the ordinary. He was extraordinary. And so, again, for me, there's a, a lot of the stuff that I just don't get. I don't get it all. It, it's just not melodic enough for me. A lot of the stuff, if it's if it's really, um, really prog like that. And well, early prog, is about prog is about difficult time signatures. One of the things that, it's, that prog is about is difficult time signatures. That's so why I don't understand it. It's difficult. Well, yeah, exactly. So I, yeah. I say, well, that's not what status quo do. They do not have difficult time signatures. So, no. I <laughs> agree. So why, so why Peter Gabriel? Because he's my he's he's one of my two inseparables. 
I, I can't decide. I, I just, well, I, I guess it's because I'm thinking, right, prog rock, who are the bands? And I'm thinking Genesis, right? Genesis have got to be one of them. All through school, it was Genesis were like the, along with it and maybe a couple of others, but they were certainly one of the bands that people would look down on me for, because I like status quo. And if I'm thinking Genesis, if I'm thinking Genesis, I'm thinking, yeah, well, it's got to be Peter Gabriel. It's not going to be Phil Collins, that's for sure. No. He couldn't get uh, less progressive, probably, than Phil Collins nowadays, obviously. Well, you certainly couldn't get less, you couldn't get less iconic in those days. No. Yeah, I think the thing was in those days, it was it, the iconography was about the person that you engage with. Yeah. And if you look across Genesis, they're all brilliant musicians. I mean, you know, Mike Rutherford, fantastic musician. Um, Steve Hackett, great guitarist. But they're not iconic. The band are iconic, although mm. they did go down the crapper after but then there were three. But, but, but Peter Gabriel is an icon because he just did everything so completely differently. And actually, you know, he became bigger than the band. And after, if you listen to The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, Lies Down, yeah. it is basically a Peter Gabriel, Gabriel vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they were the support players. And he left after that and did his brilliant first solo album. Um, and I think that, that he transcended the, he transcended the band but you can't you can't talk about prog without talking about Genesis, and you can't talk about Genesis without talking about Peter Gabriel. It's pretty much my thinking. Yeah. To be so for me, so for me, he's yeah. he, he's one of my top two. Okay, fair enough. Well, that's good. And on the same, looking at the looking at the same way, then Genesis for one band. I'll just keep plodding away, and then you can agree with them, and then talk about them yourselves because you'll know more about them. I was thinking, right, Pink Floyd. So I'm thinking, if I'm not having Sid Barrett, for the same reason I would have Peter Gabriel, which is a, which is a possibility, I thought Sid Barrett, the initial knockings of Pink Floyd were Sid Barrett, really, weren't they? Yeah. And I'm thinking, who is the man that has, I wouldn't say carried, because as you say, they're all virtuosos themselves, the band through it all, really, all through the most of the time. And I've gone for Roger Waters. Okay. Strange choice, or is that one that you've got? No, oh, okay. No, the issue here is that I don't count Pink Floyd as prog. This is a discussion is I've a had. This is discussion I've... And, okay, the world is split 50-50, 50% of people you ask will go, yeah, Pink Floyd are definitely prog. The other 50% in which I sit will go, no, Pink Floyd aren't prog. Aren't prog. So, and I remember having a massive argument with, did you, I don't know if you ever followed, there was this guy on Twitter um, who was, I think he was like, he was Italian, but his name was Morris. Um, and his Twitter feed was British prog rock. And people used to get into these big arguments with him about old PFM or Italian. And he goes, no, it's British prog rock. I don't want to know about anybody. It's British prog rock. And But he always went on about Pink Floyd. And I just messaged him one day and said, you're a massive Pink Floyd fan, just to say Pink Floyd aren't prog. 
Make me yeah, hungry now. We had this massive argument about this, and and he stopped following me. <laughs> so he obviously obviously disagreed. I I I understand why people call them prog because they are. You know why that is? Because they are. <laughs> well, I don't think they are. Surely they're progressive rock. They, well, okay. Now, okay. if you talk, hang on. If you talk to Wyatt, he would say that. Anything which is progressive in its music is prog rock. So Motley Crue are prog rock because they progressed glam party band music to a different level. Now, I don't agree with, I mean, you know, he's my mate, but I don't agree with, I understand what he's saying, but that's not the definition of prog. I understand why people think Floyd are prog, and I'm not going to fall out with people about it. But for me... I will put them in the psych. I will put them in psychedelic. So I would put Floyd in psych in the psychedelic box, personally. My choice. What, what makes them psychedelic, and Genesis prog? Because if you listen to Genesis's early stuff, it does not sound psychedelic. Whereas if you listen to Fred, if you listen to. Um, Nick, oh God, Sid Barrett, Sid Barrett you know, yeah. C. Emily Play, etc. I that agree. Is, that is very definitely psych. That is very definitely psychedelic. I would agree with that. And they moved. Yeah, they did. develop. It's a prog rock. That's okay. what I said. Right. Well, I, as I say, I'm not going to argue. I didn't have anybody from Pink Floyd, and you know, I love Pink Floyd. I've got most of their stuff. I just don't include them in prog. I include them as prog rock. Okay. That is bizarre. I am surprised. Although now you've mentioned it, I'm sure you haven't mentioned that before now. I have several prog, times. Uh, prog rock and Pink Floyd are not the same. But I've got I've gone for Roger Waters. But can you see why I've gone for Roger Waters over any of the others? Well, if I if I chose someone from Pink Floyd, I would choose um Nick Mason. Not Nick Mason, um Dave Gilmore. Because Dave Gilmore. I think that Dave Gilmore the sound of Pink Floyd as it developed, I think, was Dave Gilmore and Rick Wright. So it was that kind of keyboard and uh, and and guitar, and you know his comfortably numb solo. He's always voted as the best guitar solo in history um, in any poll you ever listen to. Um, so probably on balance, I would. I think Roger Waters. Roger Waters was the one who caused the band to break up. He was the he was the grit in the oyster, and they basically don't speak to him anymore. Whereas Gilmore no. and um, uh, and Nick Mason do, still do stuff together, um, and as did Rick Wright before he died. Um, could could you arguably say that Peter Gabriel was the same in a way? I know they didn't split up, but they kind of did, and they started a new band. It just happened to also be called Genesis, but they were nothing like the original Genesis. No, so Peter exactly. Gabriel, Exactly. He did the same sort of thing yes, as, as, as Roger Waters. Yeah, okay. Absolutely, he did. So yes. we're, we're, we're agreed on that one. All yeah, right. Absolutely. Okay. So that there there were two of mine. I'll keep going. Another band. I'm thinking, yeah, this has got to be prog. He says, crossing his fingers that Pete agrees, this is prog. <laughs> and the band probably started around 68, 69 time. Okay. I think recognizes one of the first prog rock albums, their debut album. Are we talking King Crimson? Oh, King Crimson. King Crimson. See, Procomorum, I could have had him, but but, I mean, I've written them down, but I've excluded them because 
for me, they were more, I mean, they were quite sort of out there at times, but they were leaning towards the melodic side of I, pop. I agree with you, but if you talk, if, if people talk about the history of prog, they very often say that the first prog album was the first prog alarm album. Now, you know, okay. I don't necessarily, I don't agree with that necessarily, but I understand where they're coming from. What I'm thinking in the court of the Crimson King, yeah, was the first prog rock album proper, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, sorry, couldn't argue, so couldn't argue with I, that. I have nominated Robert Fripp. I think as Robert Fripp prog was rock icon. He was in my 10. He wasn't in my top six. But we're, uh, we're, It's funny, isn't it, Prog? So you know more about Prog than I do. Well, no, so but we're, I mean, we're differing on the Prog. If you asked a lot of people to choose a Prog Rock icon, Robert Fripp would be in there. I mean, he's a brilliant guitarist. And in the Court of the Crimson King and Lark's Tongues in Aspic and um, Starless and Bible Black, they are, you know, classic Prog albums. And don't forget, they also had Bill Brufford playing drums, who then went to Yes. So they've, you know, I mean, there is a there's a link there as well. Um, and if you're talking iconic drummers, then Bill Brufford is going to be right up the top. You know, in the in the rock idiom, Bill Brufford's going to be right up there when we do the drummer one. While we're on drummers, and maybe this will come up when we do drummers as well. But you're also talking about virtuo virtuosic uh, virtuoso, sorry, performers on each instrument in a prog yes. band. Was Phil Collins a good drummer? Well, I'm not a drummer, so I... It, I'll when, give it when, for Wyatt to say. Yeah, when we do when we do the uh, when we do the drummer one, he wouldn't be on my list, but he clearly was a very, very good drummer because if you listen to the drum parts in things like on Selling England by the Pound and Foxtrot, then, uh, you know, yes, he was. he's a really good drummer. Is he, is he Bill Brufford great? I don't think so, but um, again, that's you know, a, a lot of that's personal opinion. As someone who's not a drummer and has the coordination of a drunk hippopotamus, so uh, right. well, I've got a couple of others then. So you've got uh, Robert Fripp. So you've got Peter Gabriel, Robert. Well, Fripp, I might, I and... might, I might not have Robert Fripp. That, there's, I've got like six or seven here, but I think I'll have Peter Gabriel, Roger Waters. Despite your protestations about Pink Floyd, uh, it's not a protestation. It's not a protestation. It's an observation. Those two it's things. An observation are or your your opinion. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's the word. Okay, another one I might put in is more um, what I would consider, whether I'm making the term up, prog folk. Okay. If, if I do a flute impression? Yes, okay. Ian Anderson. Yeah, he's on my list. He's on your list. Okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can't, you can't talk about a prog rock icon without having Ian Anderson on the list. Okay. The whole... You know, the hair, the wild <laughs> eyes, the standing on one leg, the fact that he taught himself to play the flute because he thought it was boring to just play the same as everybody else. Yeah. I mean, the whole... Sounds story. a bit like you, apart from the playing the flute. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Given that I've got no balance, when I stand on one leg, I fall over. Um, yeah. I certainly couldn't dance around the stage like it. But no, I mean, you know, you the the he is absolutely iconic in the prog genre, and I don't think you could have a prog icons list without having him on it. I mean, he, he was a very, very obvious choice. And in fact, it's interesting, isn't it, because is it, is it the first album? It's certainly the cover on Living in the Past. You've got that silhouette of him standing on one leg with the hair everywhere and the flute. 
that is Jethro Tull. And, you know, Martin mm. Barr was a fantastic guitarist. Again, stellar musicians. But he, I mean, I think he'd probably say he wasn't the greatest musician. What he is, is a really, really good songwriter, a, a brilliant mm. lyricist, um, great sense of humour, very thoughtful, very articulate, very erudite, um, and as mad as a box of frogs. It was certainly in Jethro Tull form, you know. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, he'd be on there. Okay, that's good. I'm glad we agreed on one of them. And we agreed on two of them. Oh, yeah, two. Yeah, Peter Gabriel and Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson, yeah. Okay, right. As a big fan, I know, you've already mentioned the band, another prog band is Yes. Now, I'm thinking, asking people on the street again, Steve Howe? No. Brilliant guitarist, but not an icon. John Anderson, even. I mean, I know he had a few solo hits or duos, didn't he, with um, various people. Vangelis. Vangelis one. Um, But surely, if they're going to hurt of anyone, and it's going to be Rick Wakeman. Okay. So I put Rick Wakeman down. I also have. I've also put Rick Wakeman down. And my... Top prog icon is a straight fight between Rick Wakeman and Peter Gabriel. And right. for me, I can't split those two because they're completely probably, different. But you probably just put them both at the top then. That's but I, I have. Two, I've put them both as my top two. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think so. What so talk to me about Rick Wakeman? Well, I know I just think if I think of the image of Rick Wakeman and the he looks wizard like, doesn't he? With his with his long flowing oh, blonde hair. Yeah, yeah. He's probably not anymore. No. And and the gown, what he wears, the clothes. He always wears a cape. Always. A cape, yeah. And he's <laughs> and he's there on the keyboards. And I just think prog when I think of him. And I know Rick Wakeman obviously has done a lot of work on the keyboards with a lot of other artists as well. I mean, name an artist and he's probably recorded with them. Yeah. I mean, he was, he, I think Bowie wanted him, didn't he? In the spiders from Mars. Yeah. He turned that one down. Um, yeah. As he was in the straws. Yeah. The straws. Yeah. He was in the straws yeah. momentary. He wasn't in there for long, was he? Um, he was, uh, well, uh, um, he left after, um, Songs from the Witchwood, which is my favourite strawberry album. He yeah, left yeah. after Songs from the Witchwood. But, I mean, yeah. his stamp is all over that. Um, yeah. But he left after that to to join Yes and the, the, when they recorded Fragile. But, um, okay. yeah, and, I mean, he did morning. He did the piano on Morning as Broken. Piano on Morning as Broken, Life on yeah. Mars, David Bowie. Yeah. Um, he, even, he even played keyboards on T-Rex's Get It On. He did. And he, he's got an absolutely unmistakable keyboard sound when he's just playing the kind of piano sound mm. but what i love about i mean i mean he was trained at the royal college of music i mean he is he is an absolutely fully paid up musical genius he can do anything with a keyboard he's that he's good a funny guy he's a funny guy as well he's a, he's brilliant to listen to he's a great raconteur he used to have a show on planet rock on sunday mornings he was hilarious and he used to play the piano and he'd play knees up mother brown and he'd play chas and dave and he'd play all this kind of all that kind of stuff and he's just so good he can play literally any kind of style but i mean i've seen yes more live than anybody um and when they were playing live in their pomp in the 70s 
then, you know, his keyboard rig was like the bridge of the Starship Enterprise. I mean, it, it was they would go like keyboards everywhere. And he just moved around them totally effortlessly. The guy is an absolute genius. So, yeah, I mean, he is, for me, the, the icon. Yeah, very dumb. So, three of them are the same. I'll throw another one name at you just for a quick brief before we get on to Glam or any comments you have on your prog icons, if you've got any more. I've um, got two. I've, well, I've got Oldfield. three more on my list, depending on what you come up with. Uh, Mike Oldfield? Would you put him down as prog? I probably would. I mean, I haven't got him on the list, but I, yeah, I probably would. Um, I think certainly he's, he's interesting, isn't he? Because his first album was Tubular Bells, and you kind of yes. you bring you bring out Tubular Bells. It's very hard to follow that up. Um, yes. As he discovered, well, he, I mean, Armadale and Hergis Ridge are fine, but they ain't Tubular Bells. But I think yeah. that what's interesting is that he had the balls, and also Richard Branson had the balls to. You know, it was the first album that Branson released on Virgin. Yes, it was. And it was and it was basically one track of forty-eight minutes or forty-seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That is a huge risk, both from the from the perspective of an artist that's never reduced produced an album before and a record company that didn't exist. Uh, you know, they both took a huge punts on each other. And, of course, it went, did it go double platinum or whatever? Paid off. It certainly paid off. Massive, yeah. massive album. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, he's not on my list, but, yeah, I'd absolutely buy that. I mean, yeah, certainly he's, yeah. yeah. And just for a laugh, I've, I've written down two words here because I feel she, in a sort of a pop field, is very prog. Okay. And... I know you can't stand her. It's Kate Bush. Stand her verse. She's Kate Bush. Yeah. Now, stand her voice. Had... She's very prog in this. She's very out there. Long songs, not that melodic at times. You know, in my opinion, again, drawn out, quite deep, quite heavy songs. Yes. Not poppy at all, and yet no. you don't like her because of the voice. No, I, I cannot. Her voice, it, yeah. it, it, it makes my ears bleed listening to her sing. I, I totally get her musicianship. I totally get, and it's interesting because a lot of prog fans, a lot of people who are my mates who are prog fans, they all love Kate Bush. Mm. So I would say that there's, you know, that that that, that your assertion that she is prog, right. I, I don't disagree with. I think the interesting thing is that prog has always been, and maybe we'll do a show on it another time. But I, I think the thing with prog has always been that it's 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 very often been very keyboards driven. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the great, in a lot of the really big prog bands, the keyboard is really really a, a very big part of it, as we've just talked about with Rick Wakeman. Um, and if you include Floyd, then you know Rick writes. Um, keyboard so I think you've got a big keyboard influence um, which I don't know enough about Kate Bush's music to know how much that features but certainly in the depth and the long songs etc yeah I agree with you I just don't like her voice but I mean that's the same with Elvis you know I don't like Elvis's voice but I I couldn't not have him in the in the icons yeah all right okay so completes my list I don't know you've got anybody else to throw yeah I'll add I'll add three um I don't think you can do prog icons without including Keith Emerson. Okay, yeah, ELP was another, and yeah. I'm thinking focus. You're going to have to focus, aren't you? I am. So, yeah. so Keith Emerson, um, again, 
absolute keyboard genius. Um, very different from Rick Wakeman. Um, but if if you say icons of prog, Keith Emerson is going to be right there at the front on most people's lips. Um, and if you listen to ELP's output, an awful lot of it is driven by Keith Emerson's keyboard virtuosity. Um, so you'd have Keith Emerson. Um, in, um, yeah, Focus, I mean, they're one of my favourite bands. Um, <laughs> Tice Van Leer is the keyboard player who also plays the flute, who also does the yodelling, who also does the singing, where there is singing, um, except the ones that Bert Reuter does. Um, and he is, I mean, they're still playing um, two of the original four. Um, he is hilariously funny in a totally lunatic, mad professor kind of a way. You know, the story of... Um, the story of Hocus Pocus is that he'd never yodeled in his life. He just, they were in the studio and he thought, yeah, I think I'll yodel. And he did. And, you know, it's kind of become the iconic song involving yodeling. Um, <laughs> but, but I think if you are, and, and I think because prog is very British, it's nice to have a representative that isn't. And I think that you've got, You've got Focus from Holland and you've got PFM from Italy. Um, but I don't, there wasn't an iconic player in PFM, I don't think. Um, but I think that, I, I mean, you know, I've had Jan Ackerman as one of my favourite guitarists in, in my top guitar when we did the guitarist thing. But is he iconic as a guitarist? No, not in the way that Slash and Eddie Van Halen and Jimmy um, Page and Jimi Hendrix are. Um, whereas I think in the keyboard genre, uh, I think Tice Van Leer would be. And he's certainly a pro icon. So, yeah, I had him. Okay. And then my outlier, and this is one where you'll go, who? Is uh, Peter Hamill, who is the lead singer of Van de Graaff Generator. Yeah. I wouldn't... And I am not a huge Van de Graaff Generator fan. I've seen them live a couple of times because my mate Mark Stickley was a massive fan and kept on dragging me to the marquee to see them. Um, but I, it just so happened that he dragged me to the marquee to see them when they were touring Horn Hearts, P-A-W-N, not P-O-R-N, um, yeah. which is their probably their best album. Um, and The Plague of Lighthouse Keepers is probably their standout track. And Peter Hamill has got one of those voices like um, Roger Chapman from Family, which is absolutely unique. And he's not a great singer as a pure singer by any stretch of the imagination. But I kind of like him because he's different. And so in prog fan circles, he would have iconic status just because he's kind of a bit weird and out there. But again, a very erudite and interesting guy I listen to talking. So I would have him in as well as my number okay. six. No, you're right. I would have said who. I would have I would have struggled with that one, to be honest. Well, but there you go. As would the average man on the street, of course. I, the average man on the street wouldn't have heard of Van de Graaff Generator except exactly. in the physics lab. So um, would, would they have heard of Prog Rock, actually? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the average man in the street with half a brain would, yeah. Before we move on, well, thanks for those. And we'll move on to glam rock, and we'll try to whiz through this before the end. Um, just m briefly on, on proc, would you say that two of the 
albums that have directly influenced prog were Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and Pet Sounds, 66, 67, Beach Boys and the Beatles. Um, yes, I think I would. Mm. Um, but they're but they're not the only ones. I think that um, Jefferson Airplane certainly did. Um, the one with White Rabbit on it, whichever the album's called, I can't remember. Uh, uh, yeah, it'll come to me. If you listen yeah. to early, yes, I think there's a lot of Jefferson Airplane about them on the first album. Um, and I think the other one which did was... Um, Begins with S, doesn't it? The album I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. Um, and the other one, which I think influenced quite a few, was um, "Forever Changes" by Love. By Love, yeah, yeah. Which again has got weird instrumentation, and you know, let's throw in a mariachi band for fun. Um, so, um, and and I think that what Prog has done is to, is to gone. You know, we're going to experiment with stuff that no one's ever done before. And that was kind of the point. And when we do a show on it, then we'll have fun with the Canterbury scene, which uh, I think is a very rich source of uh, spectacularly good music. Anyway. So are we saying, again, briefly, then maybe the Beatles, to a certain extent, were a bit prog in the latter stages of their career? Well, you see, I, actually, no, I think that, well, um, I think what we're saying is that the Beatles were very definitely quite psychedelic at the end of their career and mm. that Pink Floyd went and took that down the psychedelic route and I could very easily see the roots of a lot of their stuff in Sgt Pepper and in the White Album. Um, but not prog. Okay. Well, and I think some, yeah, I know, I know. I think that Sergeant Pepper, yes, I, I, I think yeah. it did. Okay. Um, well, and I mean, you know, if you throw Barkley James Harvest in as being prog, and mm. John Lees would argue about that, um, but they're very often lumped in as prog, um, then, you know, they even recorded Beatles, they did the song titles with all oh, the yeah, titles yeah. in. So, you know, very definite, yeah. linear um, thing there with the Action. Beatles. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I mean, I think you can argue. Okay, so what are we You'd be pleased to know that Barbie seems to agree with you about Pink Floyd. She says, well, she says it's definitely music to take hallucinogenics to. Yes, I agree. Makes it psychedelic. My favourite way of listening to Pink Floyd is lying on the floor with my head on a couple of cushions, listening with the speakers either side of my ears and just letting it wash through me. And that mm. is kind of spacey. And I think that's what Pink Floyd, Pink Floyd don't have difficult time signatures. Sorry, there's one other thing I was going to say, which I forgot and, and we can park this for another time. But the reason I love Nightwish is because for me, they are very proggy in the metal area in that they have in that they have difficult time signatures, mm. very driven by the keyboard and musical virtuosity. Okay. So no, no, no. I, I, that's why I like them, because I think they sit very closely alongside prog. Okay. Glam, moving on. Glam. How many have we got for glam? How many have you got for glam? 
Uh, I've only got four because there are so many. Yeah, there, there are, are a lot. so many. When I looked at the list, it's split the classic era, which was 71 to 76, and then 76 through to the mid-80s, and then stuff in the 90s. And I just got – there was literally 200 bands, and it included the Bay City Rollers and Barry Blue and heaven knows who else. And I just thought, no, forget all this nonsense. I'm going with the four obvious ones plus one. So I've got so, four obvious ones plus one. Basically, Rollers, Barry Blue, and whatever weren't really glam rock, though. I wouldn't have said well, they, they were. They, they were thrown into this massive list of glam. I mean, ABBA were glam, in. Glam, maybe. Art. Oh, yeah, because they, maybe because they were glam. Yeah, they were. But they I've, gone, I've gone with glam rock. Yep. Okay, that's fine. We, um, okay. Well, one. Go on. You might. You might as well just read out your first one then. Right. Okay. So, my first one and my number one, my biggest glam icon is Mark Bolan. Okay. Well, Mark Bolan is one of mine. I would say he was like the birth to me of glam. I agree. Uh, with with I agree. the. Yeah, with with the the the, the look, the the hair, the, yeah. the glitter. Yeah, the glitter, the stars, the makeup, the makeup, the, the stars. The, the, yeah, the, all the, of that. The purple, the purple velvet looms. I mean, the whole, yes. the whole look was. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, for me, is it what was his what was his first big album? Was it the Slider? Uh, I think Electric Warrior became Electric, Electric Warrior, Electric Warrior. right? So Electric, he, yeah. so Electric Warrior, I would argue, was probably. The first glam that, album. I had to get it on and um, Rider White Swan, Jeepster, and stuff like that. I don't think Rider White Swan was on it. Oh, was Rider White Swan on the previous it might one? Have been on T Rex, the first, yeah. the one before, but it, I don't think that was as big. I think Electric Warrior was the one. No, that Electric Warrior was the big one. Really glam. Yeah. Yeah. Then you so had I'd, the I'd, I'd argue that was the first glam rock album. Yeah. So, yeah. And that would have been 71, of course. Yeah, well, it, and so if the classic era is 71 to 76, then that's that would be the first one. Classic yeah, era. okay. So. Right, well, I think we'll, we'll, we can move swiftly through these because I agree, Bolan. Um, have you got Bowie in there? I have. I've got him as number two. All right, so Bowie I've had a struggle with because Bowie has done, whereas Bolan, you could say, was glam rock from beginning pretty much to end, I think. Until he died in seventy-seven, pretty well, much. I was going to say he went towards the end. He died. Well, yes. So, but what, was that, what that happened was, after? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, after that, he could have become. You know, he could have become a funk. I mean, yeah. you, you don't know because he. No, I don't. True. In the same period of his life, in terms of music, Bowie had probably gone through about three different, at least, different personas and different styles. I mean. The yeah. glam, certainly Bowie should be in because that, for me, is his era. Glam is his era with the makeup. So hunky dory, the boots, um, the clothes. Hunky dory, Ziggy Stardust, and Aladdin. Ziggy Stardust and Aladdin Sane. Those three albums. Even Diamond Dogs as well thrown yes. in after that yeah. with Rebel Rebel. You say, yeah, this is. Um, but after that, he he went through this sort of plastic, yeah, it changed. Yeah, it changed. American yeah. plastic soul sort of. Yeah. And then he did all the, Berlin, now, he? the Berlin trilogy. So Berlin trilogy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Was, and then he, none of that was none of that was glam. But no. I don't think you can have icons of glam rock without, without Sam Bowie. Ziggy era Bowie. Yeah, no, I agree. If, if 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 you if you picture in your mind glam, 
what do you picture? You picture loads of spiky hair. You picture glitter. You picture silver or gold, tightly fitting... Colourful clothes, yeah. Clothing. Yep. Colourful guitars. Platform boots, maybe. Platform boots and leery lyrics. And he ticks absolutely all of those boxes. He's got to be there. Yeah, I agree. He's got to be in there. Bolan lyrically wasn't uh, quite Bowie, was he? But he he was certainly, I think, the glam rock. And also, this raises another issue, Cole, because it, Bowie is clearly a musical icon. Yes. But which other musical genre would you shove him in? Well, I I don't know. I, so because I'm not a fan of... I don't know, soul maybe in the in the sort of mid seventies. Is he an icon of soul music? No, no, he's, he's an icon. Not. He's an icon of glam rock, who yeah. did a bunch of other stuff, which made him a musical icon that yeah, everybody yeah. in the world knows about. I think his iconography comes from the glam era. If you say Good to word. most people. What's your favourite Bowie album? It will be one of Ziggy Stardust, Aladdin's so. Hunky Dory. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, definitely. Bowie's got to be there. And you're right. He is an icon of glam, but not an icon of any other style. <laughs> but but uh, he is that, an icon in popular music. In that sure. um, <clears throat> poll I did, which started at the start of the show today, we mentioned, and I got that idea from a TV show that we were doing different icons in different fields of life, whether it be artists, whether it be scientists, whether it be explorers, and, and music was one of them. And Bowie was the top. He was certainly the top music icon. Um, so that that spread across, though, many other genres i guess i don't know he didn't win the overall icon actually do you know who won the overall icon across every possible field isn't you had prime ministers you had political um bloody winston churchill was there but it's not him no the answer was alan turing okay well i'd rather alan turing than winston churchill that's for sure fair dues fair dues Right, moving on. Have you got any others? Or shall I give you one now? Uh, well, yeah, I've got two more, and then well, and then tell now. me yours. Then up. they're probably right, in my well, list. So I, so my th- my th- number three, I I count him as glam. But I don't think you, I have got this. You may well count him as something else, but I'm going with John. Uh, okay, that wasn't the one I was thinking you were going to say, but I'm going with John. John. Okay. Big glasses, loud clothes, platform boots, glitter, Elton John. Didn't even cross my mind to include Elton John, but given well the fact that he was in existence and he, he started his pop chart life around the same time, and he did, as you say, he did wore he certainly wore the outlandish clothes and the glasses. I guess maybe I haven't included him in because. He's more of just like an individual 
pianist. He just sits there, doesn't he? I mean, he stands on the piano a few times. Well, he doesn't really, does he? I mean, sometimes live, he goes full little Richard. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. But does he have glitter on his face? <laughs> well, no, he has those ridiculous glasses. Or stars, yeah, he does. Yeah, about the. Well, I, I take, I take the point, but I presume he ain't. In, he's not in your top two anyway. No, my top two are Bowie and Boland. Bowie and Boland. Okay, so Elton John and your fourth one. We can well, whisper through this. Sticking my head in the sand and uh, oh. holding my nose. This is the one I thought. Freddie Mercury. Say. Yeah, you see, I don't, I don't see them as glam. Well, I don't see them as rock. So um, I've put them in. Well, you don't see them as anything, do you? You can't stand them. Um, well, along the Kate Bush and Elvis. Uh, <laughs> yes, in well, their, I've, in I've, been, I've been nice to all three of them in this show. I must revert to type okay. <laughs> later. No, I, I, I don't think. I, I mean, he's absolutely an icon. Um, and where do you put them if they're not glam? Um, I would put them in, I don't know where I'd put them. I haven't even thought about where I'd put them because, because we haven't been talking about bands. We've been talking about individuals. I mean, Freddie Mercury, I would have as an icon, possibly uh, a front man, an idol. If you we had a front about, man idol. We about, well, we did the front man thing and he was in your list, wasn't he? He was in the list, and he probably wasn't in yours because well, I he was think in yours. He was in I yours. Quote, and he said he couldn't sing. He couldn't oh. sing. I think it was your. I quote unquote. <laughs> I did not say he couldn't. I thought sing. it was a tad harsh. I, I said he wasn't a great singer. Um, oh, but no. I, I didn't say he couldn't sing. I said he wasn't a great singer. Oh, anyway, okay. I but right, I think it. if you're talking about right, so glam and rock, glamour and it's rock. rock. Queen, I'd say it's rock, definitely. Glam. Mm, I don't know. I, I don't think they were around in this classic period that you were talking about. Or maybe they were. You said it goes 76. up to 76. But maybe you said that because you knew you had a bit of Queen thrown in. No, 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 I didn't. No, I, didn't. I, looked, no, I looked at the – because I wasn't sure what was in Glam, I went on – the internet and looked through loads of different lists of who was in glam. Freddie Mercury was in every single list. Yeah. As you said, though, ABBA and people like that were thrown in the glam as well. Weren't they? Yeah. Well, and I clearly wasn't going to choose ABBA because they're even worse than Freddie Mercury. Um, but they also are a pop band who wore high heels. So, so, but anyway. So Freddie Mercury and Elton John. Okay. That's two that, I haven't got on my list. What I have got on my list is I'm sure you might have guessed I might have this one is Roy Wood. Well, now I considered wizard and then I thought is Roy Wood an icon and over Elton John and Freddie Mercury. And I concluded that he wasn't. I'm, but I'm not comparing him with Freddie Mercury or no, Elton John. And I was. Because I, 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 <laughs> you were. I understand that. So that's why I would I would have Roy Wood in there. Because yeah, I, I can't he, argue. He, I mean, those wizard singles, that I wish it could be Christmas every day, the See My Baby Jives, the Angel Fingers, the Ballpark Incidents, yeah, and the makeup and the hair. 
the multicolored hair, yeah, magic, the painted face, and yeah, he's a multi instrumentalist as well. Yeah. Uh, and the, and the the brightly colored clothes and a cloak, probably a wizard type cloak he had on as well, of course. It's the like name, reasonable, uh, reasonable it's, it's the name. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just loved Roy Wood and Wizard, so I had to. I know he, he started off, um, a bit like well, not like Bowie did, but Bowie did start in the 60s, but he was more folky, wasn't he? And then he went into yeah. the, the glam rock field, which he excelled at. Roy Wood was in a rock band, really, the move in the yeah. 60s, and then ELO, ELO, early ELO, you could you could argue was prog as well, actually. Yeah. You could, but Roy Wood. Uh, in fact, I would. You would. You would. You Roy would. Um, so Roy Wood, I've got in there as a, now. The other ones are tricky. You couldn't possibly have this next name in any list, but at the time, <laughs> was a big Barry Blue. No, but the first name rhymes with Barry. Harry Nelson. Not, <laughs> They're avoiding the name completely, which is probably wise. Um, but this man did have the boots. He did have the glitter in more ways than one. Are we talking Gary Glitter? Talking Gary Glitter. Okay, right. He was I, a glam rock idol. He, he was a glam rock icon, absolutely. And he was on my original list. Yes. But okay. I typed but my you, original you, list and I had to delete him because I thought... I he's a paedophile. Well, I've I've got three Gary Glitter singles. But yep. I haven't played them since he ended up being detained at, at I, I Majesty's pleasure. pleasure in Thailand. Um, I, yes, he he absolutely was a glam rock icon. Yes, yeah. he was. All right. But we'll, we'll, that, we'll gloss over that now. But the, the other two, um, I've got two big glam rock bands from the 70s and glam rock era and I'm not picking bands, so I had to pick someone that, and I've gone for the lead singer. Okay. Both we of them. Might, we might have the same one here then, because I've got what my outlier is a person from a glam rock band. And is he from Wolverhampton? No. Oh, okay. Well, my I've got Noddy Holder. Okay. Yep. He is uh, certainly iconic. Absolutely. And, and I've got Brian Connolly of Sweet. Right. Both of which, both of whom were big glam rock bands, in my opinion. Uh, well, I went for Noddy Holder over Brian Connolly in the end just because he, I don't know, I mean, had a unique voice, didn't he? Oh, um, totally. Yeah. And and he co-wrote all the songs with Jim Lee as well, which always puts them up, up a notch in my book. So I've gone for Noddy Holder of Slade over Brian Connolly. But the other one that could have a mention was Ian Hunter. Oh, now you see, Mott the Hoople were on the list of glam bands, and I would never have had them as a glam band. I would have just said they were a pop rock band. Okay, so which this I is, would probably put Queen as, to be perfectly honest. Well, and they did; they were together quite a lot in the early days. And this Basically, is where I think, or the other this way is where I think these categorizations, you just get a bleed between between them. You know, yeah, you're going to do that. You're going to, yeah, it's going to happen. It's definitely everything. going to happen. Um, well, yeah, that's probably the only other one there. I mean, I, if you want a female, I'm thinking Susie. 
Yeah, I, I, look, I, I considered Susie Quattro, and she was iconic for our generation, if only for the leather and the um, other attributes that she had, none of which involved playing nice the guitar. Nice guitar, mean. Yes, indeed. Um, I've got one other, yep. which is glam metal. Yeah. Kiss. Kiss, yeah. So you have to go for a person I've got with Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons. Um, I think that if you are talking icons in glam, you know, the boots, the gear, the face makeup, the outrageous songs, and they even had a film about them, didn't they? I mean, basically the premise of that thing with Tom Cruise uh, in um, and Russell Brand um, that it was all based around kids not being allowed to see Kiss because they were evil. Um, so, um, so uh, yeah, I my my other one was was Kiss, and I could have had Paul Stanley because I follow him on Twitter and he makes me laugh. Um, but I went with Gene Simmons. It was a bit of a dick, but um, you know, it is what it is. I, I, yeah, when did I start Kiss though? Was that was that seventy one? Was it? Was it that early? No, was it? Yeah, I think so. Okay, you can if you like. Yeah, um, I, I may be I may be totally wrong. Maybe it's because my English bias, then my British bias, but I, I, I just wouldn't have Kiss in there any more than I would have someone like Bon Jovi, which I, I would think a lot of people might call glam rock. It's like big hair and loud guitars. American rock band formed in New York City in 1973. Okay. So slap in the middle of the classic glam era. Well, yeah. Did they have any records in that time, though? I, mean, I don't know when the first ones were, but anyway, I, I wouldn't include. I wouldn't have included Kiss to be honest. Um, I'm not a humongous Kiss fan. I'm not I'm, a humongous Kiss fan at all. But there again, I'm not a David Bowie. I'm not a, an Elvis Presley fan. No, I'm, true. I'm not a Queen right. fan either. But uh, of course, Lou Reed was a big influence on the on the uh, on the glam scene. Yeah, but, um, I haven't included him in the end. I've mentioned him now, but that's about I, as far. I as find I'm that going. I find that one really interesting. Because I have recently, from my dealer, acquired both um, uh, Transformer and uh, whatever the other one's called. Um, Berlin? Berlin, that was the one. Um, and I really like both of them. But glam, it is not. Um, no. Depressing, slit your throat and throw yourself under a train, it most certainly is. And I'm not yeah. really sure why he was... Why he would be included? Yeah. Well, that's probably why I haven't included it in the end. Maybe it's more of an influence on new wave and punk then, presumably. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, that I could see, and and also the other person who's quoted is Iggy Pop. Yeah. See, again, I would say that was more an influence on punk. punk. Yeah, I agree. With the, with the Stooges and what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So I think we're agreed. We've got rock and roll, Elvis and Chuck Berry. Motown, we've gone for Marvin. No, we haven't. We've gone for Stevie Wonder and Dinah Ross. Yep. The Prog, Peter Gabriel and Rick, Rick Wakeman, was it? Yep. And Glam, David Bowie and Mark Boland. There I we go. I agree with all of those, actually. Yeah, absolutely. That was nice and, nice and neatly done. I'm going to quickly run through. I haven't got many here, but Barbie's given me a few. Give me a few bands as well. She does like The Temptations. And oh, the Supremes, but icons, uh, Dinah Ross, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye. So they all got a mention. Graham's given me four or five, I think, for each of the categories. 
for rock no four. Rock and roll is given me Elvis, Little Richard, Chuck Berry, and Buddy Holly. So not a lot of different there. No. Motown, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, Dinah Ross, and Smokey Robinson. Glam, David Bowie, Brian Ferry, saw me missed off. No, I considered Brian Ferry, but I don't think, I think they're art rock. I don't think they're glam. Yeah, maybe art rock. Mark Boland and Ian Hunter. And the prog rock for icons, Graham has gone for Robert Fripp. Yep. John Anderson. Okay. Peter Gabriel and Steve Howe. Two from your favourite band there. Well, it works for me. And I did get I did get something else from oh oh it's Poppy again she didn't do individuals she did bands iconic bands and one of them I saw the first one I listened I said oh where are they going to go and it was the Kinks so presumably she's included that in the rock and roll side of things it's amazing how these things differ though isn't it. Um, oh, here it is. One comment Marvin Gaye, T Rex, Genesis brackets, Peter Gabriel. So we're on the right lines with those, but the Kinks, yeah, not too sure about that one, but a, a great band nonetheless. And right, we'll right. come into another. And Ray Davis is going to be an icon, I'm sure, at some point. That completes the voting. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening and watching. Thank you very much, Pete, for. Give me your selections. We'll be back next week with my Christmas sweater on again because I think we're going to do crap Christmas songs. So our least favourite, I think that's a more accurate way of saying it, perhaps. Well, I think crap is the way we would say it. but um, We're not doing like hymns and carols. carols. (laughs) Yes, we should do do that next year. We're going to run out of Christmas things after uh, (laughs) a couple of years. We will. I'll try yeah, and find yeah. me Christmas and me Santa Claus hat to put on as well. Yeah, yeah please do. In the meantime, we'll be posted to the usual places. Um, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and all the other fora that you watch your, uh, your podcast on. And, of course, one day we will be. We will be on... We will be on... The British Broadcasting Corporation. We will be on the British Broadcasting Corporation. We will. We're still waiting for the call. We are. But when the call comes, we We're will there. stand we up. Will we will. We will be there. In the meantime, thank you once again. And all I've got to say is a good night from me. And it's a good night from him. Not oh. <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. <laughs>